Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Oh, Trish, I've got midlife rage about something my teenagers have done. And it's oh, tiny, no. but so infuriating. Go on, what is it? They've been putting packets back into the fridge that are empty. So my fruit and nut, my <laughs> Cadbury's fruit and nut chocolate, which I look forward to, you oh. go into the fridge empty. After yeah. eight mints, which I say for special occasions, like an old lady, oh. empty yeah. box. In oh, no. Thing. Yeah. Yeah. And my rich tea biscuits that I dunk in my tea in the morning. I only have one. I think there is some. Are some? Is some? No. But the, but the sort of scrappy packet has been packet. left. The empty packet. Well, yeah, they do. And I tell you what they also do is they leave a tiny little dribble oh. in the bottle of the orange juice bottle. <laughs> and, the, uh, and the almond milk. Every time I pick it up, there's just the tiniest little splash in the bottom. And I'm like, either drink the blooming thing or put it in the recycling. Well, they leave the splash because they don't put it in the recycling. Yeah, they they yeah. can't be bothered. They're too lazy. This is like t- mm. this is a new game. It's called Teenager Top Trumps, isn't it? <laughs> Trumping exactly. you with their irritating behaviour. Okay. Well, we do love them though, don't we? Oh, we do. Hello. Hello. Welcome to Postcards from Midlife. I'm Lorraine Candy. And I'm Trish Halpin, and we're here to share everything we know and have learned about being in our marvellous midlife. Yes, we'll be celebrating the highs as well as laughing and sometimes crying through the lows about all the issues that affect women at this stage of life, from sleep and sex to parenting and the perils of perimenopause. Welcome everyone. We are well into series three of Postcards from Midlife and we wanted to thank you actually for taking the time to tell us about your personal midlife journeys. Yes, we're excited to be heading into 2021 with such a positive, smart, witty group of women alongside us who this week have personally contributed to the show. Indeed, that's right, Trish. So today we will be tackling a subject which provokes much debate in midlife, and that is our relationship with booze, with alcohol, with cocktails, Mm. with gin and tonics. Mm. We will be asking if Generation X has discovered midlife moderation, a subject that got you all talking on our Facebook group, and we'll be discussing your stories here. Yes, we'll be jibber-jabbering about how attitudes to alcohol change as we age and wondering if midlife means we can finally flip the self-control switch. And later on in the programme, we meet a guest whose midlife meltdown led to rebirths that we can all benefit from. Health and fitness coach Amanda Thebe will be showing us how to get the best out of our mind and bodies as we age. Her new book, Menopocalypse... See what she did there? Mm-hmm. Explains why we should be changing our exercise goals and defining a healthier diet in midlife. So are you ready to shake it up a bit, Trish? Do you want to try some weightlifting? Oh, me? I could try that a go. I might, I might need a new leotard, though. Well, a weightlifting <laughs> leotard like Big weightlifting li- I know, I like that. One. I have to grow some hair on my chest. And actually, talking of hair... <laughs> 
This is our What Would You Do dilemma, because we're going to be asking, should it stay or should it go? And hair. yes, I, by hair? that I do mean, well, I mean pubic hair. I'm going to say the word pubic hair. And that was also prompted by a post on the Facebook group. <laughs> and finally, how good are you with family finances? In our How to Win at Midlife section, we sought out our attitude to midlife money and helped to plan a fun and financially secure Act 2 and 3. Okay, dear listeners, we are just taking a moment. We are pausing in our broadcast for Trish to go upstairs out of her basement recording studio and take her thermal vest off. I'm overheating. Why did you put a thermal vest on in the first place? cold isn't it and i'm too mean to have the heating on in the house in the day so just get the old uniqlo thermal vests out they're brilliant staging a fashion intervention for you there trish do not wear thermal vests okay fair enough right okay i think we need to move on yeah because it's jibber jabber time and um i think this is a really interesting one i think we've all got a point of view on this because it's about our relationship with alcohol and obviously as young women we love to go out and party we enjoy drinking we might have got drunk ever so occasionally with friends but as we get older and our bodies are less able to metabolize alcohol effectively, we've had to become much more sensible and take a healthier approach to alcohol. But that can be really difficult. I mean, I know I've found that quite difficult. And especially for someone like you, Lorraine, when you're a party yeah. girl at heart. I am indeed. I think midlife, uh, it was a bit of a shock suddenly losing my tolerance to alcohol. This is a physiological thing. Mm. It happens to nearly all women, doesn't it? As your estrogen and testosterone your hormones levels drop you are unable to mm. metabolize it and sudden and it seems to happen very suddenly suddenly one morning one evening you have one glass of wine and you're dizzy and you kind the hangovers are epic mm. and go on uh, for ages we didn't really expect to lose our tolerance to alcohol i don't think then mm. this happens during perimenopause so we probably never questioned or worried about what our attitude to no. midlife alcohol um would be and a lot of my friends are either drastically cutting back or going completely sober mm-hmm. or completely changing the way they drink and what they drink. But it is really woven into the fabric of our lives, um, particularly mm. in the UK, I think. Not just because we want to get drunk, but because it's what happens yeah. when we socialise. And so, if you have a partner who yeah. drinks and doesn't want to, <laughs> isn't yes. kind of that interested, yeah. you know, Neil does like the odd beer or two or three or four or five. And that, that can be really difficult as well if you're trying to cut down and stop. Yeah, I have a friend who has um, a new partner in midlife after a divorce mm. who is completely teetotal because he's a reformed alcoholic. So this is he's dealing with okay. an addiction. So she has a very low tolerance to it now having she's scottish having had a very high tolerance to alcohol Mm -hmm. before so she has completely given up um alongside him and it's meant that she's had to change everything in a way she's had to change who she sees she's had friends say to her well you're just going to be boring now there's no point going out Mm. it really does make you review everything and during the pandemic there was a big piece in the guardian actually recently that um it was the over 50s who mm-hmm. were drinking more, who were binge drinking. So it right. was affecting yeah. them the most. I do think it is a Generation X issue in many ways mm-hmm. because millennials don't tend to go out to get completely how do that doesn't tend to be in the mm. cultural psyche mm-hmm. of that generation um, that kind of comes after us. I'm perplexed as to what to do about it because a part of me feels that I'd actually quite like to give up for a sustained amount of time so there is something called the 100 day challenge I'd quite like to try that Mm. and see how I feel and then I think 
but do is it is moderation not better is it not better to say i will only drink well, on a friday or have one glass I, of open wine i'm i'm very good at moderation as as you know in general <laughs> but with alcohol i find it quite challenging because even though i'm good at moderating i still have in my head like when it's a sunday oh it's four more days till i can have a drink because i'm like yeah. i have a drink on a thursday night and i'm literally every day i'm thinking oh it's three more days can i till i can have a glass of wine so even though i might only be having two glasses of wine on a, mm. a thursday a gin and a wine on a friday and maybe some a beer on a saturday i still really think about it it's kind of there and it's this this sort of motivation factor and for me i don't like that so i'm actually for the first time ever i'm doing dry january and i i've never done them before oh. because i've always thought i don't need to because i don't drink huge amounts and i am quite but i just you don't do like this like a drink, no, Trish. i do, I know do like a drink and i have my moments but i wouldn't get like drunk every week these days because because of the yeah. reasons that we've we've talked about of the impact that it has um so i just want to know that i can stop so uh yeah so, yeah, so i am doing dry january and uh yeah going well so far um neil's doing it with me which i think is an important one yeah yeah exactly well, i see from my point of view though i've always done dry january more or less mm. every time and then i've done those these daft detoxes and things that i've written about for the various magazines i've worked in where i've gone six to eight weeks without drinking and followed new diet and things like that mm. so I've no, I don't find it hard to give up when I'm giving up but when I'm drinking mm. I think I probably drink too much yeah yeah, yeah. I mean I, yeah. I don't think at, at this age for, for what is healthy for my body mm-hmm. um, and there's, there's the whole sort of issue of gray drinking isn't there and we've had some really amazing responses on, on to the post on the facebook group and i think it's got well, like one of the the most number of responses since we started the group um about the attitude to moderating alcohol and i think you spoke to somebody or you saw um sarah williamson yes. who calls herself a gray area drinking coach she got in touch with you didn't she yeah it's absolutely fascinating i, I would say three people came be got in touch via facebook or uh, email as gray area area drinking coach which is a new phenomenon something i hadn't heard of before so i've cut down sarah's post that she sent us on facebook because she then followed up with an email so she says i'm 41 about three years ago i decided to give alcohol a bit less room in my life i'd considered myself a normal drinker a gnt or two on a thursday night while cooking a couple of glasses wine on friday a couple of glasses on a saturday Um, this is considered low risk drinking it is actually if you follow the guidelines the uk guidelines Mm. but she says on nights out with my girlfriends which was about once a month i would drink a lot more than that always ending up with me bouncing off hedges on the way home and a hangover from hell for the next two days moderating my alcohol consumption was not something i could do um it took me three years she says to accept Mm. that so she stopped drinking in 2019 setting a clear goal and reasons around why she'd stopped drinking taking time to understand her mindset and all her habits around alcohol consumption what triggered her and how to deal with the cravings and this is the interesting bit for me she says i used to think of myself as an extrovert but since i stopped drinking i've come to realize that i'm actually quite a happy introvert Mm, Um, and there is a theory isn't there that a a lot of the drinking um, is to distract you from the feeling <laughs> mm, um, because mm-hmm. you, you can't really think about things in depth if you're just a bit tipsy or tiddly. So there's a, you, you could yeah. be someone different to who you are and the drinking is masking it. That's, I guess that's part of the addiction mm. theory in a way or the mm-hmm. 
helping yourself mm-hmm. theory exactly she goes on doesn't she to talk about yeah. becoming a grey drinking coach and running programs but there's also an interesting book by Katie Bailey and Mandy Manners called Love Yourself Sober which is also a self-care guide for many grey area drinkers across the UK and apparently there are 10 million of us Brits who have out something called alcohol use disorder which is essentially grey area drinking but what does don't that mean you can't get it in your mouth properly alcohol use disorder. <laughs> Exactly. But, um, and not very many of those people are seeking help. But so mm. but there are things to help you. So you can look at grey area drinking coaching, you can get a book like that. And there's also, there's apps as well. And there's one that Public yeah. Health England have got called Drink Free Days, which is obviously a free one to download. And that's really good because it helps you sort of make a pledge and it you can monitor what you're drinking and it gives you lots of advice and different things like that. So that that's quite a good one. I think maybe if you've tried the dry Januaries and they aren't doing it for you, something like that might be quite good. I think at this stage in life though, some people, when they try dry january and this came up on the facebook they try dry january and then just don't start again because they, mm. their life has changed as a result of it. And it's more about going for walks, doing different things, that you know, changing the way you used to drink. Um, but then part mm-hmm. of me feels, why would you give something you like up completely if it isn't affecting mm. your health? What That seems mm-hmm. kind of martyrish in a way. There was one post on Facebook which I thought was really good where the woman said, her rule is, did I drink yesterday? So if I drank yesterday, I won't drink today, which feel is better okay. than maybe setting a, it's setting this four day, three day thing that makes you look yeah. forward to things. Maybe that's the, yeah, the wrong that's way true. Maybe, going yeah, around, maybe around and about it. Yeah, so I think it'll be interesting to see. We'll report mm. back on how we get on with our moderation with my dry January. And um, yeah, I think... I'm yeah. teetering on the brink of the 100-day challenge. Yeah, and, and then just one last plea. I think for all of those awful people who do those greeting cards with all the kind of mummy wine time, wine o'clock, oh, gin mum, all of that, just stop now. Enough. Stop it. It's stop not it. funny. It's not clever. No, it's not gin didn't get me through parenting for small children at all. It's ridiculous ready to pop the question the jewelers at blue have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds and they're ready to ship to your door Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus. Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns. And now it's time to meet our guest, Amanda Thiep. She is a health and fitness expert whose down-to-earth approach to wellness helps women get the best out of their bodies. As a successful personal trainer, she was completely thrown by her perimenopause when she suddenly experienced crippling exhaustion, depression and mystery migraines and was mistakenly prescribed antidepressants. Now aged 49, Amanda is happier and healthier than ever and has written a no-nonsense guide to getting your midlife mojo back. 
Menopocalypse, How I Learned to Thrive During Menopause. So welcome to Postcards from Midlife, Amanda. Thanks for having me. I'm excited to be here. Now, you live in Texas, sunny Texas, where your husband works. You're a mum to two children, two boys, aged 13 and 17, and you've been a personal trainer for more than 20 years. Were you surprised or taken by surprise by the perimenopause? Uh, was I surprised when the wrecking ball smacked me in the face and ruined my life for two years? Yeah, <laughs> it was something it like was that. It was quite dramatic, wasn't it? In your book, you do go into it in detail. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, you know, like it's actually coming up to 30 years I've been doing this because I, when I've actually gone back in time, I actually started like personal training in my 20s and I've just turned 50. So, you know, I've been doing this a long time and I feel like I'm pretty well educated in physiology of the body, the nutrition and general health that I'm, I can have a good conversation about all of those things. Yeah. But there's nothing ever spoken about menopause or perimenopause in my world at all. And so when I started to feel unwell age 42, I just came out the blue and I had no idea. And then just to spend two years feeling really unwell and not recognizing myself, despite seeing doctors who really wanted to help me, nobody ever told me that these were hormonal issues I was having. But you were quite dramatic. I mean, they were intense migraines and you were exhausted for days weren't you and off you were in Canada at the time I think and you were offered antidepressants it was they were so extreme your symptoms yeah and um, I was offered antidepressants because nobody recognized they were perimenopause definitely and um, my symptoms were uh, migraines which were also misdiagnosed because my migraines didn't come with a headache I had vestibular migraines so I struggled with vertigo nausea I actually lost feeling in one side of my face and down to my arm I would I thought I was having a stroke and I would like go to my husband and go do you think I'm having a stroke look at my face is it drooping and I didn't recognize myself and the fatigue that I had was like I hear women say this all the time I would be like on the sofa for days and this was not like me at all I really didn't recognize myself and how did you resolve this how did you match it all up do the jigsaw yeah it wasn't me I went to my annual like well woman I suppose you call it like exam and my gynecologist said is everything okay and so I started crying like you do (laughs) when you're feeling terrible and he just said listen these are known symptoms of perimenopause I can help you um you're clearly struggling with depression too and that sort of made a lot of sense um and I just was like oh I'm so glad I know now and that was like the start of me being able to put the pieces together again it must have been such a relief how did your kind of family behave around you and and your husband in particular because I think the understanding of our families and for men to know about this as well it's, it's just so important isn't it well it's really challenging because you're in a situation where you yourself don't know what's going on right mm. so I had like two years of not being the person they knew and recognized I've been with my husband like 20 years and then you and then I'm expecting them to respond appropriately to my this new personality and um, so they were very kind and empathetic but they were lost completely lost and in fact after I'd had my appointment with the gynecologist my husband met me for lunch and just said what did he say? And I went, oh, I've got, it's perimenopause and I'm struggling with depression and migraines. And he went, oh, thank God for that. I thought you were going to leave me. And it was just oh, like, that's oh. such a common story yeah. that we hear all yeah. the time. It's really sad. It's breaking point, isn't it, for mm-hmm. women? Breaking point. Well, look at the divorce rates during that time as well. Yeah. That's, it, it peaks, right? Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, it's, it's not unique. My story isn't unique at all. And are you on HRT what is what was the solution medically to to your issues 
So, yeah, my gynecologist, pretty um, well-educated because we know not all gynecologists are, but he mm. was. He offered me hormone replacement therapy. And eight years ago, I was like, uh, I don't think so. You're trying to give me yeah. breast cancer was exactly. the place my mind went. Um, and he offered me antidepressants. And the antidepressants he offered me after my refusal of HRT were ones where the off-label benefits could help me with my migraines and depression. Right. So I took those and I took them for, I think, 18 months. And they actually did work for me until the point when I started getting other symptoms that were hormonally related, obviously, yes. and, and yeah. the antidepressants. So I did go on HRT. And unfortunately, I'm one of those people that really hasn't had a good time with HRT. I, I, I'm a proponent of it. And I want women all to be given the choice to be able to take it. But not everybody responds <laughs> perfectly to it and I feel good on it for a while and then I don't and I end up having I've been on everything out there and currently I'm not on anything and I'm a bit frustrated about it but it's just, just a long journey isn't it it's yeah. a long so, journey <laughs> so your book is really specifically aimed at women in menopause perimenopause and midlife and it um, extols the virtues of strength training for women so can you explain what strength training is because I just think weights and does it mean that someone like me and Trish, we don't have to do those hit classes anymore, which exhaust us and must be going to break my knees at some point. You know, I come from a bias because I'm a strength coach, obviously. One of the things that literally saved my sanity through all of this was strength training. And I'm going to talk about the benefits, but strength training is putting a force on the body that creates a stimulus. So what that would be is that, say like you have a pair of dumbbells and you do a, a chest press, you're lying on a bench and you push the weights up. I'm doing it like everyone can do it yeah. with me. And what happens is when you do something with resistance, so you're creating a movement that you have to push against a load. What that does is it creates a stimulus in the body at a cellular level. And to what extent that reflects on the body is it's there's so many different benefits. So initially, what it will do is it will pull against the muscle pulls away from the bone and it dis, it sort of damages the muscle somewhat. That's actually what you're looking for, these micro tears. And then they rebuild in your recovery and rest period. Um, to create a stronger muscular frame on the body. Um, how that would look is as opposed to a HIIT training where you go into a class and you're just like on, 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 on. And that's like the yeah. beat of the music too. There's, I don't like that. But there's very little rest and there's very very little um, education behind it. It literally is you working in an anaerobic threshold. Anaerobic means at your highest capacity without oxygen usually. Think about going for a walk. That's an aerobic exercise. Yeah. And your aerobic, aerobic means you're using oxygen through in the blood through to the heart. Um, anaerobically means that you're working sort of without oxygen and you're working at your peak. And, you know, some of that inner workout is beneficial. There's absolutely no doubt about that. But when you're in that, like, on state for 45 minutes, you're in a place that's catabolic. I'm using all of these terms and I'm trying to, like, relate these to everything we know. But think about catabolic meaning it breaks you down. And then when you break down, you have to build back up. Well, when you're in a prolonged state of being, in a catabolic mode yeah. it's really hard to recover and what most but women if you're older i'm guessing mm. well it's not just the, the strain on the body but it's just like when you especially when you're going 
through perimenopause, like you're in a high cortisol state, your body's in yeah. a bit of a higher breakdown state and you're just adding more stress to that. Yeah. You're jumping about mm-hmm. and it's mm-hmm. just not the best thing that the body needs right now. But if you go into a pure strength training class where you're lifting weights and you're, and you're creating a, a stimulus into the body, it, you recover a lot quicker from that. But the benefits are higher. So the body requires you as you get older to maintain your muscle mass and I don't mean like Arnold Schwarzenegger I mean your body has muscle right it has it right now you have fat you have muscle and as you age it sort of dies down like you start to lose you say that muscle mass goes down by about three percent every year after the age of 30 don't you so that's what we're facing so after the age of 40 we've got less and it's gradually decreasing and that's the strength actually, training is building the muscle mass back into yeah, us. It's like it's actually like maintaining what you've got and potentially building more. Yeah. And it's super, super hard to get big and bulky lifting weights. Super hard. Like even if you started like juicing, so we couldn't some... put Trish on a weightlifting <laughs> course and have her looking like Arnold Schwarzenegger. It would take a lot of work. Yeah, it Mm. takes it Mm. takes a lot of effort. But if you did a strength training course for six weeks, I think you would see some huge benefits. And the benefits, which I think that the selling points of strength training are if you work hard enough in a strength training session, you're working aerobically anyway, you should get out of breath. So you sort of get in the benefits that you want to feel that those endorphin highs you get from HIT, which is what women crave, right? And you're going to get those anywhere. And they release serotonin and they also release um, dopamine. And so you get these feel good um, hormones anyway. And they they can be a lifesaver for women. Mm -hmm. Um, You're going to maintain and build lean muscle, which we know can help with your health markers like your insulin sensitivity, cardiovascular health, um, osteoporosis, that stimulus I said that it creates can help build and maintain bone health. It's one of our biggest um, health issues for post-menopause. And then it sort of builds this unique strength that's really hard to describe, but it's empowering. We're doing it every day or we're doing an hour every three days. What's your rough Yeah, you don't need to do it every day. So I, um, and this isn't just my recommendation, this is what the studies have shown. There's tons and tons of studies for strength training. Three to four times a week is, is enough. Three times a week should be a goal for most women. And if you work hard enough in, and sensibly enough in that time, you can have a workout done within 30 to 40 minutes. And the, what the programs I write in my book are full body programs. And it's like functional training. Women may have heard of that, which means you use the full body all the time. I'm a bit of a, a drill sergeant when it comes to form mm. because what happens is we age, you were saying your knees are hurting. I mean, that's just years of like maybe doing things with bad posture or, you know, just wear and tear. Generally, wear and tear starts to mm. show. Um, and as we start to age, if we do strength training, it sort of bulletproofs our body. It helps us rebound quicker. You know, like mm-hmm. if you have injuries and you're doing strength training, the chances are you're going to get recover a lot quicker if you're not familiar with strength training if you haven't done it there are particular types of classes because i do something called a body pump class is that is strength training isn't it how would you recommend starting and going about it yeah it's a really good question and it's really hard for women to sort of actually specifically know right so it's easy for me to say yeah just go strength training because it's all i've ever Mm. done but um one like there's a confidence issue women feel like it's something that they can't do because maybe they've lost belief in their athletic ability or they just don't know how to start and so i feel there's an entry level for 
every single woman to be able to do strength training. And it can start with bodywear exercises. If you're at home in a, a pandemic and you can't go to the gym, then just actually learning how to do some basic bodywear exercises can be a great entry point. And I don't mean jumping around doing burpees. I mean, like actually learning how to feel strong in a movement, like doing a push up against a kitchen counter, doing some squats, like in the kitchen when you're just making dinner, like see how that feels to do a full range of motion going all the way down and all the way back up again. Um, do some lunges, see how that feels. Most people don't like do that. You don't have to jump up and down as well. I mean, it's just not necessary. So actually see what it feels like to actually put strain on the body in a really healthy, productive way. And then if you want to do a class, a body pump is a great introduction. And I think that what happens is if you continue to do body pump classes, they'll start to get easier because you don't tend to change the, the weight very often. And it usually is like really high rep that you do, like lots of mm -hmm. repetitions. And so curiosity builds. And so I think what women can do then is maybe think, oh, um, if I had a pair of dumbbells at home, what could I do with that? And then if you start to do mm -hmm. your dumbbells and you do your squats in the kitchen with your dumbbells or you do your lunges with dumbbells, you've added a little bit more load to the exercise. And, it's, and so it doesn't have to be rocket science. You can just maybe do two or three exercises a day just to start and just mm -hmm. to feel. And most women will like get a little bit sore and think, oh, Jesus, I didn't expect it to hurt, like hurt so much. But they, it sort of tells me you're doing something right, but you also shouldn't be so sore that you can't sit down on the loo either, right? You need to find the, the balance so that you're not crippled yeah. for today's on and that, that's serving nobody at all. So mm -hmm. one of the things that you explain in your book, which would be good, I think, to explain, because it sounds like an easy, doable thing, is this NEAT, uh, N-E-A-T, so non-exercise activity thermogenesis. So this is a theory which for those women who are complete beginners to movement maybe who've just lost their mojo around exercise who just don't want to do it explain to me because I quite liked this theory yeah so I mean I get there are days where you I've been there myself like we all have lying on the sofa feeling like crap and just not being able to do anything right it's just a horrible place to be and we've sort of all been there and the last thing we want to do is go and exercise or we physically can't like there's a limitation mm -hmm. on how we're feeling and I know that a movement-filled life is more fulfilling than a sedentary-based yeah. life. We know that. And we also know for our health. Um, and so need the non exercise activity part of your day is everything outside of exercise, right? So it's the movement we do every day. It's, it's doing your housework. It's running up and down the stairs after the kids. It's like hoovering, anything you think about the movement you do that isn't exercise. That's so beneficial to your body. And it, it actually is one of the light, the part of the lion's share of the calories that you burn during the, mm. the day. That's what thermogenesis means. That's the calories of the heat that we, we burn. And so I recommend everybody move every day. And by moving every day, I mean, get outside and just walk around the garden. If you're feeling so terrible that you just can't exercise yeah. at all, even just getting outside in nature, which is also a boost to our sort of like energy levels as well, just go for a little walk. You'll be surprised how good you feel afterwards. And so every day I, re I recommend that women do something that's movement filled. Mm -hmm. And it's a really great first step. 
like I speak to women that are like, they have an exercise for years and they want to start doing something. And I'm like, okay, every day commit to work, walking for 15 minutes, get off the bus a few stops earlier and walk into work. Honestly, it's a, it's a bit of a game changer, but it also has so many benefits to your overall health. What about food? Cause obviously that's a huge area that sits alongside and I'm sure with strength training muscle, there's a requirement for protein, etc. What are your kind of absolute givens or things that you would have advise your clients to be doing on the food front women through menopause and generally through aging need to prioritize protein so that's my number one thing make sure at every single meal protein protein and the benefits of protein are amazing like so first of all it's our building block right it's the thing that builds and maintains our body so it's like the queen of all of the nutrients so um and what's what's pro is meat what else is it well protein is in most foods it's even in some vegetables um but it's primarily in order like rank order you will find it in meat fish dairy and then it's in all grains but in a smaller amount and then also a smaller amount in vegetables but the complete proteins because there's loads of different breakdowns of proteins are going to be in your meats and fishes and um, another place you can get it is in things like like whey powder you know like protein shakes you can add some whey Mm -hmm. powder to it so that's another place you can get it but it also helps women when they get that three o'clock slump where they go and get their muffin you know and a cup of tea and a muffin (laughs) Because what I'm just about to head off. You're looking at me now, Trish. You're looking at me and you're thinking hobnobs. It's the hobnob hour, right? That happens. And Mm. there's nothing wrong with having the hobnob hour. But the chances are, if you've had protein at your previous meals, that your blood sugar won't dip as much because it helps. What? Are you telling me if I eat protein in the morning, I won't want a hobnob or six? Well, you won't desperately stuff it down your face in in like... (laughs) I just have yogurt for breakfast, so... Well, the thing is, yogurt's got protein in it as well, right? So, but I mean, it's just finding that you're slumping or you've got that, like you feel that you're getting a little bit hypoglycemic, like your blood sugar's Mm -hmm. dropping. Well, protein helps maintain that. So like I'll say to women, if like, have your hobnob, but why don't you have some protein with it? Like, why don't you have some like sliced ham with it? It doesn't really go, I know, hobnobs and sliced ham, but you know... (laughs) There's a protein yeah. with it. It's just one of those nutrients. But it's all in, are, you've got, you make it quite clear in the book, don't you? Yes. Yeah, it's very helpful. It shouldn't mm-hmm. be difficult to do. And women are also being told all the time to avoid carbs. And it's so distressing for me to hear this. Like, and it's also like the way that people use the word carb as like an evil cousin yeah. to all of the other mm-hmm. foods. And I'm just like, there's a huge gap in the knowledge base about what carbs are. And it's, I find it like disheartening to hear but women don't stop eating carbohydrates carbohydrates are the main fuel for your body it's what gets you keeps you going and it also fuels your brain you've got brain Mm -hmm. fog you need to be eating your vegetables and your grains i mean that's a carbohydrate Mm. you live in north america you live in texas menopause in the states midlife women is it a kind of different ball game to the uk what's different about it what's the same I think because I know that junk food and the weight thing is a big issue. Yeah, yeah, yeah. like I think we're at 40, 50% obesity, I think, over here. Um, the conversation in the UK, it's crazy, right? Like menopause is everywhere. It's on national news. Mm-hmm. It's in the news. 
papers. And, you know, like, I just think that 10 years ago, I'd never heard the word perimenopause. And now Mm. it's like everywhere. It's amazing. And it should be this way because there's a knowledge gap out there. And we don't speak about it, right? Um, It's way behind in the States. And I think that that Mm. seems to be a natural progression in everything in life. I mean, I, I lived in Canada most of my time in North America. And the conversation is happening there. Um, I was on CBC, which is like the BBC, talking about menopause. And I was like, wow, I never thought that would happen. And so we're way behind in the conversation. There's a lot of misinformation out here. And there's a lot of people like marketing towards menopausal women. Yeah. And it's, it's really upsetting to see mm-hmm. them selling supplements and diets that really don't have a lot of evidence behind them. I'm a bit vocal about it. I don't know if you follow me, but I'm <laughs> well, always like yeah. helping people out. Yeah. We all are. Hopefully that's the only way to get the message out. The book is full of all the studies. You, you know, absolutely know your stuff technically and scientifically, but you personally, how much do you work out now? What is your routine? Because you look yeah, very I mean, fit to man. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so it you know, I um, don't do any more than I say in the book. I do three strength training workouts a week, maybe four, depending on my energy. I'm very flexible with my <laughs> attitude to exercise. I do believe that just like the compounded effect of exercise is um, has been shown to be most beneficial. So it's not that you have to go full on hardcore in the beginning. Start yeah. small. Think of a snowball. Like I do like to do running and swimming. I mean, we might talk about that. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't actually count those as my exercise days I count those as like my like sanity days you can call Mm. them whatever you want but my workout days are the ones that I feel are like the like the the main big rocks that I want to move and then anything else I do is supplementary and it's usually for my like mental well-being actually I think that's the Mm. thing about exercise isn't it because I've been doing some stuff with a charity called women in sport and we're trying to change the conversation to it not being exercise (laughs) because it really Mm. puts a lot of women off if they feel like they've got to exercise as opposed to have a swim enjoy a swim or maybe just go for a run that doesn't have to be 5k it's all this counting of it measuring it all all of that Mm. we do you think it's possible to change that attitude as a woman Oh, yes, I do. And I think that um, I call those ones, like a walk, run, a one. I go for a one sometimes instead of a run. And like if I, and I never would have done that in my 20s, but sometimes I'll go out just to get away from all of the males in my house because yes. I'm like, overwhelmed by them. And I'll go for a run and I'll just think, I, I need to walk. So I'll, I'll walk and I don't care. But when I was in my 20s, I was, I'm a total A type personality. Yeah. I, I would have felt like a failure. So I think with age, we, definitely change our attitude from like doing exercise to look good to doing exercise to be healthy and I think that that's Mm -hmm. a bit of a part of the conversation and then I also encourage people that follow me to do fitness snacking so they don't feel like they have to like have this like one hour put aside every day I'm like why don't you just do like a little bit here and a little bit there just until you see how it feels um like do 10 Mm -hmm. minutes you know that it's going to take 10 minutes for the potatoes to boil. So why don't you do something then? Like just fit it in or find a friend and just say, right, let's get on Zoom quickly and let's do like 10 push-ups, 10 squats, um, and then we'll see, and like three times and see how that feels. Like just do something rather than nothing. It doesn't have to be so prescriptive. Our lives are just not prescriptive. We just can't be that way. 
I think that's really good advice, don't you, Trish? Yeah, very good advice for this new year. We're at the beginning of January, new year episode. So that is going to help so many women, I think, get their 2021s and become really strong. Thank you so much, Amanda. It's been so lovely to talk to you across the oceans and we wish you all the best for 2021. Thank you. You've made me homesick. later we have how to win at midlife in which we aim to get our finances in order and we'll be ending the show as always with our nostalgia noodles now though it's dilemma time and this week we have been inspired by another facebook post uh this is from Catherine, who says i've been reading a novel where the female 50 plus main character has a sexual encounter with a man who is not her husband he expresses surprise that she continues to have pubic hair i know the young prefer the smooth waxed arrangement in lady town but has this practice of trimming those bushes reached those of us in middle age i'm in the process of a divorce and who knows one day might find a new partner is this really the new norm um so lorraine what would you do in that situation hairless or hairy i'm slightly troubled by the use of the word lady town Lady Garden. What, what I would say, I mean, I could go many places with that. But what I would say, dear Catherine, on Facebook, who cares what he thinks? <laughs> yes. This is about your lady town, not his lady town. And you can do with your lady town what you want to do with your lady town. Mm-hmm. Trish, have you ever had a Brazilian? Oh, my God. You know, once and once only and never again is all I can say. I'm just going to say prickly regrowth. That's it. <laughs> I feel like we should mention Margot at this point. I don't know why. We're going to she, talk about she's She's a fluffy pussy. Is yeah. That it? She's oh, just so hairy, just, isn't she? She's oh, so hairy. She's just lowering the tone, Lorraine. As I always. can't help and it. <laughs> you're don't, don't wax it unless you want to. Wax it if you do want to. It's such a personal thing, isn't it? And to, to get drawn into mm. what is expected, I think we don't care what is expected. We just care that we're happy with it ourselves. Now we've reached the how to win at midlife section of the show. This is where we bring you practical advice from an expert. So pen and paper at hand because this one is important. Yes, we're going to be tackling family finances and midlife money worries, which I think most of us have at some point or another. And to do this, Lorraine, you went straight to the top, didn't you? And you spoke to a really inspiring CEO who shook up the fintech world in her 50s. Um, She raised 48 million to launch an award winning bank. Yes, that's right. I chatted with the Starling Bank CEO, Anne Bowden, who is now 60, and she is such a force of nature when it comes to advising women on money. So brace yourself. It's quite good advice, but it requires a change of mindset. So she says that when you hit 40, you do need to review your spending and define your kind of future expectations, the future things you want to spend your money on. And she said the number one thing to do is to change the way you think about money uh, as a woman in midlife. She says you really need to inspire yourself to take an interest in your finances. Well, in finances generally, actually. And this would mean really engaging with the money bit of the paper, really engaging with the money bits of magazines, following online money sites, you know, maybe looking at books that simplify how to spring clean your finances. But she says it's about making money a hobby. And um, I think 
because we well what we we are doing this in fact we are talking about yeah. about money right now because we don't talk about money do we i mean i don't no, really talk about money with British. my friends <laughs> no, it? it's not is it exactly and that's another thing really that is part of sticking our you know heads in the yeah. sand but we should be asking especially our savvy friends what where are they investing their money have they got ISAs? what are they doing and yeah. hopefully i want to share well, that it's a very odd thing isn't it i've got a friend who's an accountant but she's a very close friend and at no point in the whole of our friendship have i ever asked her for money Mm -hmm. advice and I was driving back from somewhere in the car the other day talking about our changing finances with my new she said why haven't you asked me about it I am an accountant (laughs) oh wow but it wouldn't cross my mind so it's very un-British thing so yes so do ask around you will know someone I think and also how do people put family finances together people have lots of different plans I think it's well worth doing that and also worth looking at how you're spending are you competitively spending that's a Mm. question Anne says you need to ask yourself so if you've got friends who are leading a much more exotic glamorous life are you Mm. spending to keep up perhaps you should spend to keep up with the friends who lead less of the glamorous life but probably just as exciting a life don't copy other people's decisions look at what other people are doing and talk to them about it yeah and it's thinking about money what you're spending and what what are you getting from that is it yeah. make how's how are you responding emotionally to what it is that you're spending are these things giving you pleasure is where you're putting your money giving you pleasure and i think that's a really interesting way of looking at actually rather than thinking well i have to yeah. spend that and i have to buy that or i'm just going to save everything and i'm never going to buy myself anything because i'm too worried about what's going to happen in a year's time you know it's kind of just having a bit more of a relaxed attitude it's the emotional feedback loop isn't it on what you spend mm. and what you don't spend if you perhaps write down what it will make you'll see in front of you the picture of what is important to you and what Mm. is not important to you um she also says that you do need to be on top of your spending but you don't need to kind of micromanage it there doesn't Mm. need to be see this is what frightens me my husband uh, i i have a bit of a head in the sand attitude he does manage the finances and he manages it with spreadsheets and things like so the moment i see all of that i have to go and stand on my face against a wall and pretend that i'm invisible yeah exactly because i just can't oh. can't do numbers on a spreadsheet well you've google drived me haven't you already mm. this morning well exactly i had to sort you out didn't i <laughs> but, exactly. um, but yeah so so do you never know at all what's going on so you leave it totally to him because i do think you should know a bit well now in mm. uh, now i'm in charge more of my uh, finances as a freelance person mm-hmm. i have done taken Anne's advice and looked into it I have Mm. downloaded all the apps that I hadn't got downloaded and I it's actually so much easier than um I thought it would be I can be aware of what's going where and move stuff around quite easily and see what's coming in and I think you Mm. then begin to sort of keep that in your head so yes I'm less um head in the sand than I was but it's just not my favorite thing but I think once you get to midlife you start having to do a lot of things that are not your favorite things or what because Mm. life changes and and your situation changes so if you don't know about the money you're slightly it's perplexing you lose your choices don't Mm. you your future choices so Anne also says that when you do this annual tax return whether you do it with your advisor or whether you do it yourself in that month in that January now so now is the time to do it sit down with the family and talk about what everyone wants to do this year that's going to cost money and what Mm -hmm. we could perhaps stop doing and what our expectations are for the year don't leave it later than that she said because then you lose um, the chance to work out and plan Mm. how you Mm -hmm. get to where you want to be yeah I like that idea of like bringing the kids into it so they see the responsibility as well of you making conscious decisions about where the money goes and they need to be aware of that yeah that's very 
very good lesson. Well, I hope you found that helpful. I really enjoyed interviewing Anne over the phone. Her career is amazing. She has actually written a book about her career. It's called Banking on It, How I Disrupted an Industry. And she really did, in her mid-50s, in her midlife, turn the tech world around. Mm. And, you know, FinTech is very young and cool. And she was a midlife woman doing it. So, And that she runs a Starling Bank. So thanks, Anne. And I hope that was helpful. Okay, Trish, we are now at Nostalgia Noodling, possibly my favourite part of the show. What have you been nostalgic about this week? Well, it's um, something quite soft and fluffy and... uh, bloody cat. (laughs) Bedroom related. Do you remember Candlewick bedspreads? Oh, God, yes. (laughs) Do you remember those? I quite wanted one. They weren't quite comfortable. Well, I just, they still sell them. It's quite strange. But yes, yeah, we we had them in our house. um, And they're they're sort of, they're kind of like a sort of weird chenille type of embroidery, very sort of in a dusky pink or a, I'm making it probably sound nicer than it actually is. But the reason, shall I tell you why I thought about Candlewick bedspreads is that... (laughs) <laughs> no, when I was seven, oh, that's when we had them. Because the we then, we, we were very much a sort of sheets and scratchy blankets kind of family with yeah. a, with a candle. A con- Do you remember when we first heard about quilts, they were called continental quilts? I know, my be- mum was very anti the continental quilt. She used to say, so unhygienic. And I think, how can they be, oh, how exactly. can they be compared to sheets to the scratchy blanket and then the candlewick bedspreads which i suppose these days they'd be called a throw wouldn't they which is yeah. much much nicer than a bedspread but just very quickly the thing that reminded me of it and this was the you know the small axe series that steve mcqueen did of films yes. about sort of black history and black community experiences that were on the bbc before christmas which i absolutely loved i thought they were amazing but the most amazing thing was the attention to detail of all the styling and of course there were candlewick oh. bedspreads there were pyrex dishes and actually Actually, Neil and I spent most of the episodes going, oh, look at that. It's a, it's, it's a glass dolphin. We had one of those. It was so brilliant. But the thing that stood out for me was that the Candlewick bedspread. Um, yes, that was a nice little one. But what about you? Where, where have you been... Well, it's been very exciting because it allows me to be a giant show off once again. Oh, it's not another name drop. Is it's it another name massive drop? Oh, I name love it. drop. So my 16-year-old has been redoing her bedroom, particularly her bedroom walls, and been putting up her posters. And she's been putting up band mm. posters. And I thought, well, how lovely. Mm. We all had band posters, didn't we, in the 80s? Yes, we did. George, Kid Creole for me. Yeah, wham. Um, the big one she's put up, which was a real surprise to me, right in the middle, is the Pink Floyd the mm. wall one which oh, is like, like it's like yeah. um the scream picture it's yeah and kind of really dramatic it's a slightly scary she has a very dark mind <laughs> feels to her anyway re- it reminded me a very fabulous dinner with ralph lauren oh yes in london yes where i sat next to a man called nick Mm. and we chatted and chatted and chatted and chatted and he said he worked in the music industry and he was very very nice quite a little bit older than me oh, no obviously. i think i know where this is going you didn't, old, know, you didn't so, know who he was no he he then said to me because he was doing cooking and blah, blah blah he said i'm going to write a cookbook called the dark side of the spoon <laughs> nice not a titter was raised oh because you didn't I even just know what that was looked at him blankly and said oh god oh, rain really, do you, is it chocolate that you like or is it <laughs> <laughs> And as we were leaving, I said, I am so sorry, but I don't know what you do. And he said, oh, well, I'm Nick Mason. I'm a drummer in a band called Pink Floyd. (laughs) 
That it is so lovely as well. Oh, so normal and down to earth. Oh, anyway, copyright that dark side of the spoon. Well, and were you horrifically embarrassed and ashamed of Groveled. your behaviour? Groveled. But yeah. then, of course, yeah, my I'm mind sure. went completely blank and I couldn't remember any Pink Floyd. Oh, I just couldn't remember any of them. And no. then I was worried I was going to say something that Metallica or someone had done and get oh, yeah. it wrong and it'd be even more insulting. So it, that's what, um, it was just very nice to see that, that retro band poster. Yes. Well, now I know what to buy you for your birthday present. Copy of that cookbook. Well, <laughs> if you bring my memory back, would be quite good. Yes. Yeah, that'd be good. Well, that brings us to the end of this episode of Postcards from Midlife. Thank you so much for listening. And if you enjoyed it, please tell all your friends and the midlife women you know. And remember to subscribe on your podcast provider. And it would be super helpful if you could rate and review us there too. And don't forget to join us on our Facebook group, on Instagram, or you can email us at hello at postcardsfrommidlife.com. Goodbye. Bye. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.